Thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Bine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. Hi, everyone. It's Joel. Welcome to Exponentially Empowered. This is the first ever podcast interview for Exponentially Empowered as well as myself. So I'm just jumping right in, in the spirit of learning to do things by doing stuff you don't know how to do. And I might fall on my face and fail and I might look stupid, but that's that's the name of the game. So I'm very excited to introduce our first guest, Caitlin Scheel. Caitlin Scheel is a teen entrepreneur, self-starting learner, and constant seeker of improvement. She is the co-founder of unschoolhq.com, a digital marketer at Practice Paradox, and the youngest ever accepted participant to Praxis. Praxis is a 12-month academically academically infused apprenticeship program that places young people typically ages 17 to 24 with high growth startups around the country while cultivating the skills and mindsets necessary to forge one's own life and career. So welcome, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. I want to start with this concept of personal power. I know that Praxis's, one of Praxis's main themes is is harnessing your personal power to to forge your own career and really your own life. Um, can you give us an overview of the program of Praxis and then talk about uh, what growth or even transformations have you experienced since enrolling in the program? So Praxis is a 12-month entrepreneurial boot camp, as I like to call it. So you have six months where you set up a personal website, you learn interviewing skills, you learn how to put together PDPs and portfolio projects. And during that time, you're also interviewing with practice business partners, which are high growth startups across the United States and Canada, where they are looking for young talent that can learn skills quickly and efficiently, even if they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And then you spend the next six months actually working at those, at whichever business partner you end up getting placed with, which you do get to choose. They don't force you to take the job you don't want. And during that time, you have access to the practice advisory staff so you get to you know ask them questions if you're running into a problem with work and they're also checking in with your supervisors at work to make sure there's no issue that you're not even aware of that's happening just to make sure that you have the most successful apprenticeship that you possibly can outstanding um, and 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 so what's a, what's a typical day look like during that the boot camp Obviously, so, you, have, you have the six months apprenticeship, but if you're doing the boot camp, going through these these modules, the curriculum, what does that what does that look like in a typical day? So that depends on what your goals are. So I was focusing on marketing, so I went through their Facebook ad module. I really focused on my personal website. I really focused on 
you know, the blogging aspect and then public speaking as well. So that was kind of my, my day-to-day was, you know, going through videos, setting up projects, talking to advisors, going onto the community and kind of picking their brains about, hey, what do you guys think about X? How do you write a good email? What does good copy look like? Whereas if you were in sales, you'd go through the sales I think they have a sales module. I'm not entirely sure. But you would be focusing more on sales-oriented projects, and you would be talking to different advisors that have more experience in sales. And at the end of the day, you don't have to do anything you don't find valuable. So what my day-to-day would look like would be what was most valuable for me, whereas even another marketer, if they didn't want to do Facebook ads, they wouldn't even touch the Facebook ad module and no one was going to like make them. Practice is very focused on individualized education. Right, and, and choosing your own challenges. And you mentioned the PDP, which is the Professional Development Project or Personal Development Project. Um, what was one of those for you? And, and can you just talk about that growth experience and, and what, what did you learn? I know you must have done the 30-day blogging challenge um, wh- what did you take, you know, from the first day to the 30th day? What, what, what major changes did you experience? So I actually started, that was not a, so I did do the 30 day blogging challenge, but my first PDP was working through the Facebook ad module for an hour a day. And so that really taught me one, I have way more time than I think I do because I could always find an hour to sit down and do absolutely nothing but work through the Facebook ad module. And then taking that on towards a 12-day Christmas blogging challenge that Isaac Morehouse, the founder of Practice, challenged the participants to do, I realized you can churn out a blog post in an hour every day. Like There's no excuse for not being able to just sit down and write for an hour and hit publish at the end of that hour. And then this month, January of 2018, I took on a different twist to the 30-day blogging challenge. And I think I called it like the 30-day copywriting challenge, where I was writing Mm -hmm. a blog post every day with the intent of getting someone to do, do something, whether that was change their mind about a concept they had previously held as truth or, you know... Some of the blog posts were about, you know, software, like why you should use Grammarly, why you should use Amazon, whereas some of them were more why you should get enough sleep, why you should make sure that you're drinking enough water. Um, Yeah, I saw saw you had uh, five reasons or five ways to have a better day. (laughs) Yeah. So there were some days where it was much more kind of this is what you should be doing rather than you should go buy X product. And I have actually not done as well on this uh, PDP as I had planned on doing. This past week, I've gotten not busy, but I felt like I wasn't spending enough quality on the blog post. And so I've learned that one, yes, I can turn out a blog post in an hour, but for a project where I want to get better at copywriting, I need to be scheduling more time to do that so that I can really deeply think about what I'm writing about and really make it a good post that if a potential employer were reading this, I would be able to say, yeah, that's one of my best posts, at least about a couple of them, because I found 
with an hour, I can churn out a post, but then I look back on it the next day and I'm like, I need to change all of these, you know, X, Y, Z needs to be changed. Sure, sure. But just even the fact of doing it every day, and that's sort of the message is you can do one thing a day. You know, Isaac talks about even just do, just do 10 pushups a day. You know, that's better than, than trying to schedule a two hour, a perfect workout once a week, just do something a little bit every day. And then, you know, then you just, just the act of publishing that blog post is an accomplishment. And then of course, to refine it and go to that next level, you know, you want to spend, you want to spend more time, but, uh, it's, it's so crucial to have that, that, that daily habit. Um, can you just talk about personal power in general? Of course, this is the, the name of the podcast and, uh, what do you think what do you think it means to flourish as a human being? So one, I think that this question would get a completely different answer from absolutely everyone on the face of the planet. Sure, sure. But in more for me, flourishing is having is building yourself into the person that can do the things that make you happy. So Yes, chocolate chip ice cream makes me happy, but I also, that is a quick hit satisfaction, whereas I want to be the type of person that can provide for myself and live completely independently and not rely on anyone else. And to do that, I need to build up a skill set that allows me to provide for myself. And so my personal power is having the freedom to be able to do that and then taking that freedom into actually reaching my goals so with your goals and in sort of this perhaps vision of you know this this phrase of the best version of yourself gets tossed around um and and, you know having these these high standards and these goals uh, i think it was nelson mandela he said something like you know you're the master of your own fate the captain of captain of your own soul what do you what do you think? What, what's your take on this idea of constraints, and like how how far can can flourishing and, and personal power go in terms of are there certain circumstances that hold people back? Because I think I think it's common in our culture for people to think, oh well, that sounds nice for that person, but I have this constraint in my life. I have, you know, I have I have to, to live in this city. I have these I have these kids to feed, or I have. Uh, this car payment or anything, you know, there's any sort of life circumstance um, that, that that is a constraint. Do you think that, where do you stand on this sort of, sort of spectrum of, of you're in control of your fate, you're in control of, of truly, of truly creating the exact life you want, you want to versus there are constraints that you can't, that, 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 that stop you from from uh, utilizing that personal power? I think, okay, so there are situations in which, let's say you want to be a tracked star and then you get in a car wreck and you're paralyzed from the waist down. Like you will never be a classic tracked star. Like it is physically impossible for you to ever run again. And so some... I would say, you know, well, there are the Paralympics where you could, you know, do wheelchair racing or whatever. But there are physical constraints of that sort of magnitude that would physically make it impossible for you to do the exact dream that you wanted to. 
But to the kind of car payment example, that those are not constraints. Those are choices. You made the choice to buy the car. You signed the contract saying XYZ, you have to pay this much money every month. If you're living in a city, it's because you're choosing the benefits of living in that city over the benefits of living somewhere else. Or, you know, you're accepting the downsides of living in that city for the benefits it brings you. So whenever I'm thinking, I can't do that because XYZ, I think about, well, actually I can. It's just I'm Mm -hmm. choosing the benefits of the constraint over the downsides. Yeah, I think that's so to speak. Yeah, I think that's such a helpful framing. Just recognizing that you have a choice in any any situation, and you, it's all just cost benefit analysis. And that's and I think that's why you know I think I've read that you're interested in economics, and I know that that's been a a, a useful tool for me in just learning about economics and and I, how we make choices and on a, per, on a personal level, economics on a personal level and. The idea of when you choose to do something, then you're foregoing every other choice, and and just kind of getting in this idea, this 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 frame of mind of you have agency, and and any situation, any sort of quote unquote constraint, uh, you can you can you can you're really just making a cost benefit analysis, and you're you're weighing that against something else. Um, so in this realm, I want to hear a little bit more about your your backstory, because it's it's obviously inspiring and and unique. Uh, so you were in the eighth grade and you made a presentation, a pitch to your parents, I believe, uh, yes. about why you should, should leave school and, and start your, your self-directed learning. And I'm curious about that time period in terms of, I, I, I also understand your parents weren't really initially in, they weren't in favor of this idea. And then mm-hmm. you had, what, what sort of resistance might might have you experienced in terms of bringing this to them did you did you feel an apprehension did you feel worried that they that they would they reject you what what was that process like when you're in your state of mind so the pitch or it was really more of a propaganda (laughs) uh type of system where so in the beginning of the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year I started getting this idea of I don't really want to go back. And there were a few things that made it worth it to me to stay in school, but they were slowly kind of falling away. Teachers were leaving. Projects were no longer allowed. Clubs were no longer offered. And so I kind of just asked my mom, can I be homeschooled? Like it was just a flat out in the car asked. And she's like, "Um, no, you're not (laughs) going to be homeschooled. And my dad was like, my dad has always been much more pro homeschooling because he's much more into kind of the Austrian economics, self-freedom, self-directed education. He was much more in favor of it. And so he was like, ask your mother. And uh, at the end of the day, it would have been her responsibility. So at the end of the day, it was her decision whether or not I was going to be homeschooled. And so I started printing out articles. I started printing out articles about homeschooling and kind of putting them on the fridge and, you know, highlighting, you know, homeschoolers are accepted into Ivy League colleges at X percent or (sighs) homeschoolers make higher SAT scores or homeschoolers are actually happier and healthier, et cetera, et cetera. 
And so I just kind of started laying the benefits in front of her and just kind of leaving them and walking away rather than entering any sort of argument or discussion. Mm -hmm. And I had homeschooled friends my entire growing up. And so she started talking to their parents and kind of asking them, well, what is it actually like to homeschool your kids? Kind of people that had graduated. Some of her friends had homeschooled graduates, so to speak, that had gone on to college or were in dual enrollment in their, you know, junior and senior years. And so she started talking to them. Without, I didn't actually know about this until post, post-presentation. And then I finally put together, kind of, I printed out charts and the best articles and the best quotes and the best research and just kind of pitched it at them and re- was like, I really want to do this and I don't see any logical reason why not do you and they couldn't come up with a logical reason why not. And so a few weeks into eighth grade, they were finally like, okay, let's let's try this until Christmas. And if it fails, we'll just send you back to school. It'll be fine. And if it succeeds, then great. So your dad was, was sort of in that mindset. And then was your mom, your mom um, not working? And so she was going to be with you when you, when you were at home? Yeah. Okay. And she had actually originally wanted to homeschool us when we were kids. And then life changed, circumstances changed, and she ended up moving away from that. So I definitely had it easier in that my parents were not like homeschoolers or all Catholic weirdos who never, ever talk to people and only eat vegetables. And, right. you know. <laughs> and I'm guessing your experience wasn't wasn't that typical, um, stereotypical sit at a desk and be sit at the kitchen table and, and, and study your history books. It was more self-directed, right? Yes. So I actually like textbooks and Mm -hmm. kind of structure in my learning. So it was more me saying, Hey, I want to study Western civilization from the beginning of human history till present day. And then going out and finding those courses. And a lot of them were I read a, I bought a lot of college textbooks and read a lot of watched through a lot of college lectures that were online. Ironic since I'm not going to college now, but um, mm-hmm. that was kind of my deal. Was I focused a lot on history, and then my mom had a few basic requirements, like I had to take the SAT. So I did get up to kind of I did work through math because she requested it. Mm-hmm which is another cost-benefit analysis. I never feel like I felt like I was forced to take math. I felt like I liked having Wi-Fi and a laptop and a phone bill that I didn't have to pay for. And right. doing 20 minutes of math a day was a perfect payment system by my standard. So so other than, the, yeah. than 20 minutes, it was essentially you had the day to yourself, right? Yeah, more or less. So can you talk about that 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 use of time? I think you know, we uh you know, on the previous episode of the podcast talked about curiosity and this idea of of really following what your interests are and your what itch, what's itching at you and and getting gaining that fulfillment because you're doing doing something that you're really curious to do. And I think oftentimes we don't do that because we're just we we have our schedules are overloaded. We don't have this unstructured time to kind of figure out what it is that we're actually interested in doing and, and using and using our time rather than time using us, if you will. 
So mm-hmm. how, did you, how did you go about structuring your time? Did you structure your time? Did you, did you have, did you kind of decompress for a while at first? Did you kind of just mess around on the internet or like what, what, what was that process like in terms of, of using the time that was now available to you? So in the beginning, I worked through an entire history workbook of sorts that I found at Barnes and Noble. And I think it was U.S. history. So I worked through that because I really enjoyed history. And then I watched a lot of documentaries. I mean, like, every documentary on Netflix, I've probably at least considered watching because I ran out of things I really wanted to watch. Netflix Netflix documentaries were my best friend there so for, you, like, two you, months. Were you watching these documentaries because you were trying to fill time or you were like, Oh, I'm really curious about this topic or. Because I had way too many interests and had never had enough time to explore all of them. So I went from how do vaccines affect us to what are GMOs to how do GMOs cause cancer to what is cancer to, well, how did cancer originate to the lifespans of Neanderthals in ancient Europe? And so they all, my documentaries all end up having kind of a, pattern of sorts in that they would all I would bounce from idea to, to idea that was previously mentioned and so it would lead to me reaching weird forts where it's like well I could learn about monkeys in China or I can learn about sea slugs in Mexico and it was like I don't know where I ended up going from Neanderthals to sea slugs but it happened and then somehow you went to to history and and well you mentioned history but then entrepreneurship economics and it's all all just sort of built from there yeah so after my documentary phase i ended up finding an online program called the ron paul homeschool curriculum uh-huh. and on that curriculum there were tom woods did two did two years of western civilization so it was western civilization one and western civilization two And then there was also a business one and business two course. And so I ended up working through all of those. And it was during that business one course that I started getting introduced to the ideas of maybe you shouldn't go to a four-year college in the traditional sense of you go live in the dorms for two years, you get your own apartment for two more years, and you party half your time away and then you cram the night before and forget all the information Mm -hmm. the next day so that kind of introduced me to the idea of maybe i should do dual enrollment and try to get through this as fast and as cheap as possible and then from there i was introduced to the foundation of economic education so fee and they ran uh i don't actually think they were homeschool seminars teen teen entrepreneurship seminar in austin And so I ended up attending that, and that kind of introduced me to the idea of, oh, maybe I don't need to go to college at all. And from there, I found Praxis, because T.K. Coleman, their education director, actually spoke at that summer seminar. So that was June 2016, when I found Praxis for the first time. Yeah, so it's interesting to consider how you just just kept on, one thing just kept on leading to the next. And it was, mm-hmm. it was very, it's just very natural. I mean, that's, you know, that's, you look at what a, a typical three-year-old and he, 
he's he's asking why and he's he's just curious and just 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 soaking up information that's you're just extending that into into later in life and that ended up you know making contact with with actual career decisions and mm-hmm. now you're you know now you've you're um uh, in the practice program and and um well now you're we actually have completed that and you're with your you're with practice paradox your 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 job and i'm guessing you feel you feel fulfilled would you would you say overall yeah for sure i mean i don't feel the fulfillment of now i'm going to go retire at age 18 i still have hundreds of projects i want to work on and a billion mm-hmm. things i want to do but i definitely feel like I've made all the right. De- I don't feel like I've made all the right decisions, but I feel like all the important decisions I got right at the end of the day, and I wouldn't change it at all. Right, and there's there's all there's more growth and and, and challenges ahead, but you're, the, I guess the sort of the sort of theme is that you you crafted this, and you you were the leader, you were in the driver's seat, rather than, than the passenger seat, which I think a lot of people feel like they're being driven by circumstances, I mean, you were sort of forging those circumstances and that's sort of, that's sort of the message. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good. So in the realm of, in the realm of, uh, I mentioned challenges just now, um, in the Praxis program, what was there a certain, what was the most difficult moment or difficult period? Or, um, can you speak to your failures or your challenges, your adversity, um, because I think it's really important to highlight that because that's really the that's really the bread and butter that gets us to that next level is going through going through the struggles. And can you can you just can you just expand upon that? So since I'm still kind of working through parts of the practice curriculum and I'm still definitely not kind of the ultimate practicing, so <laughs> to speak, the biggest struggle for me is making is doing one thing consistently. I am much more highly motivated for like a week and then I bounce to another project and I'm highly motivated for a week. I tend to have more of a let's do 12 things at once. And, you know, at the end of, you know, however long, I end up having a few completed projects, but then hundreds more have kind of fallen to the wayside. So the hardest part for me has definitely been saying i'm going to do x every day no matter how much my emotions say hey this is this really cool project we should go work on it right now even though you have 12 billion things you need to do and are reading 15 books at once well it's really easy to get into that game because of the i mean just the the online world itself is this amusement park you can just just read articles and all day and um, you know, that, again, that's why that PDP is such, that is a great concept because you, it really forces you to, to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, great. So a couple more questions and I want, I want to, I want to hear you, 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 uh, talk about your unschooled HQ website, but, um, what, what sort of words of wisdom do you have to a typical listener who's, who's just coming to these ideas about, about sort of going within and, and, and pursuing their dreams or, or tapping into their inner potential or realizing that, that they have all this possibility within them. They want to, they have, they have this gut feeling that there's, there's a lot to unlock and unleash. Um, but maybe they're not sure where to get started. They're not sure where to go first. 
or they're mm-hmm. feeling a little overwhelmed or un, you know just uncomfortable and what what's sort of the what's your sort of words of wisdom so in classic teenager i would suggest turn to facebook and social media and just start following every time you see someone that even kind of seems like they're tuned into the whole personal development just follow them on facebook set them to see first and just read all of their content so i ended up when i found practice i followed i friended tk coleman the education director of practice derek mcgill the marketing director of practice and then isaac morehouse and then from there i ended up following i don't even know how many people i follow on facebook now probably more i probably follow more people than i'm friends with just because I like consuming all of their content and, you know, reading through their struggles and how they solve them and what they're doing today and what book they're reading. And, you know, just everything they're doing can be a really great motivator because I tend to scroll through Facebook aimlessly. And so when I see someone saying, hey, I did X, Y, Z today, it gives me that little push to go do something, even if it's just start the book that they recommend. I like that. Just do something. Uh, I think Zach, well, Zach Slayback, Zach Slayback, who um, one of the first um, members of the Praxis team, uh, talks about the bias for action and and just go, just go do something. I think, mm-hmm. I think you nailed it right there. Just just that phrase of of go do something. Maybe it's the wrong thing, but it's better than than waiting and seeing if something happens to you. But just go do. And then you'll get, and then you'll get feedback from the world, and then you'll decide, okay, now I'm going to do the next thing, and then you do the next thing, mm-hmm. um, and you just get the get the momentum going. Again, that goes back to that that principle of, so just do one thing every day, you do ten pushups a day, do just do one thing and see what happens. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been great. I want to hear about Unschool HQ. What's the elevator pitch? Elevator pitch is that it's a work in project, work in progress, one stop shop for everything alternative education. So whether that's parents looking for guidance and whether they should unschool their kids, kind of relaxed homeschool their kids, traditionally homeschool their kids, how they can go about actually doing that or, you know, kind of implementing that in their home. Or for teenagers that are looking for like, oh, I can actually do something other than high school and are looking for guidance in how to pitch their parents on that concept. Or even just looking for resources. So we also have kind of third party. Here are courses you can take. And our plan is to, by our plan, I mean mine and my co-founder, Brad Matthews, who's also a practice alumni. We're going to put together not traditional courses, but more how to take good notes, how to use Google as it was meant to be used, like how to do good research, because public school does not teach people how to do good research and how to actually absorb that information. So it's sort of one-stop shopping for, you know, there's so much information uh, out there, but it seems like you're trying to codify that and just make it make it a... a a hub for of, of resources. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's and, I, and 
you you touched on this. It's just really important to to remember that the idea of education is is the it's it's an individualized process where everyone has different preferences and interests and and styles and manners of learning. And so some people maybe they want to do something that's that's more uh, relaxed and just spontaneous. Where others maybe they want to have a um, a formal formal lecture. Um, mm-hmm sort of um structured experience um but i think i think getting in touch with what works for you is really really empowering yeah that's a really big part of kind of what we're and we're also going to have a youtube channel where i'm going to kind of share my experiences and share kind of a lot of people talk about all of the different ways you can learn and very very few people teach young especially teenagers, how they can actually figure out how to learn. Because a lot of teenagers coming out of the public school system are very confused as to how they can even set about learning something on their own because they don't know how to use Google. It is the saddest fact that we now have all of human history is on the internet and teenagers don't know how to properly research or how to properly use Wikipedia or how to take notes that actually make sense without them having to copy everything word for word. Like they don't even know how to follow their interests because on with me, I knew while I was watching a documentary, I was like taking a note here, taking a note there, and then I would go search up documentaries on those topics. And I would search up Wikipedia articles and I would go read the study. Like I would click through, you know, five web pages and eventually you hit the actual study mm-hmm. of what you're learning. And the number of people that don't know you can reach that level of knowledge is incredibly huge. And I find it so sad because I can say, oh, yeah, you know, in reference three, I found X, Y, Z. And actually, that headline is completely misleading because they didn't say Gatorade causes cancer. They said a chemical compound found in Gatorade has been kind of sort of linked to rats having cancer. And right. so that's yeah, kind of our focus. So much... Go ahead. It's really teaching people how to learn because they're so used to being headline, blurb, someone telling them in the comment section what the article's about and that's it yeah there's so much information to parse through and you, you sort of need to develop those those critical skills of of comparing different sources and th- there's so much conflicting information and you gotta yeah you gotta look at the studies and how they were done and you know are they what types of what types of studies are they and there's a lot there's a lot of you know work that needs to be done behind the between the ears for, for someone who, who's going into a topic and but it sounds like you know what, what you're doing and getting off the ground with with on school HQ and and providing these resources is is going to be really it, it is really useful for for many people who are who are interested to develop to develop that that self uh, you know that self-education mindset so thanks so much Caitlin um, I really appreciate it and really excited to see to see what you do going forward and um any last words for our for our listeners here um no Anything except 
<laughs> well, that's actually kind of what I was going to do. If anyone has any questions for me, you can reach out to me through my website, CaitlinShiel.com, on the Contact Me page, and I always answer. Well, mostly answer. If you're a spam bot, I won't answer. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, I'll link to to all of the, these websites in the show notes, and you can you can get in touch with Caitlin if if you'd like. All right, thanks so much, Caitlin. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right, my pleasure.